As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you Why mad? You mad? All right, hey, Louise, uh, what's up? Hi, Jake, how's it going? Good. Um, wait, where are we starting? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, we're just going to check in. We're going to check in. Um, I was going to tell you that I'm in a good place. Well, I really was until like a few hours ago when whatever. <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. Um, but uh, I finally got an Adderall prescription. What? Congrats to me. Everybody happy, right? Okay. <laughs> so uh the the psychiatrist that i was seeing before um was in miami because you know there's like we're doing like teleconference you know yeah and um something happened where like the covid shit didn't get extended so then like the whatever was allowing doctors to operate within other states or some shit got like it ended so she was like i can't keep being your doctor because my new york shit doesn't work anymore so i'm gonna recommend you to this other person in my office she's like a new york person so i've seen her twice and she like you know we're checking in everything's good she likes me i'm doing well and so then this last check-in um it was just to like get more you know a re-up on my antidepressants you know and she was like so how's everything going and i was like pretty great actually you know I'm, I'm achieving stuff i'm getting stuff done i've got good relationships going with people uh work is going fine everything is great Except that I'm still having, like, problems with my attention, you know? Like, I still can't finish a task until I'm, like, basically out of time and it's, like, I have no other option, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I haven't finished a book in two years. Like, I tell her all the stuff. Oh, sorry. And she goes, um, she's like, oh, well, you know, that's really weird because actually it's not really very often that people get, like, ADHD, like, later in life. And I was like, oh, I heard that they had. And she's like, no, often it's that, like, they just missed diagnosing you when you were a kid. And I was like, oh, but I really don't think that I had ADD when I was a kid. You know, like I got all A's and shit. You know, I got five degrees. Obviously, like I was able to finish shit, you know? Yeah. And she goes, yeah, but like you never got in trouble for not paying attention and for disrupting the class and, you know, like shit like that. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, of course. <laughs> like I was constantly in detention for reading romance novels during chemistry and other non-romance novel related classes. I got in trouble for disrupting the class, for talking back to the teacher and correcting the teacher. Oh, that was a big one. Um, and like my senior year in high school, I skipped, I had 96 absences. <laughs> like I skipped all the fucking time. I went to school on acid. Oh my God, when I was in high school. Yeah. So like I really was a fuck up in a lot of ways, Jake. It's just that when it was time to take the test, I got good grades. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And the fucking psychiatrist looks at me and she goes so basically what you're saying is that like you were bored in school and couldn't hold your attention so you found other ways to entertain yourself and act out <laughs> and i was like oh shit yeah i guess i did yeah. <laughs> I like, oh. so she was like all right so i'm gonna give you adderall let's try it out let's see how it works and you know i'm like i promise i'm not gonna party i swear to god i actually think i need it and so i'm just like up like uh only a couple days in i got the prescription last week but i've only been using it like when i have to go to work you know so i can do my work which i have been unable to finish okay and it's going really well and i feel kind of cheated that like this is how normal people operate that happens to me a lot whenever i fix something i'm like oh my god yeah. this is what like 
I was operating at such a fucking loss before. Yeah, dude. Like, even every A that I got was, like, pulling teeth some cases. Like, some were very easy, like, literature and whatever the fuck. But, like, math? I had to fucking bang my brain against the wall to get an A in math. I hate it. It's terrible. <laughs> and, like, nobody helped me. <laughs> it was terrible. Yeah. So that's my check-in. That um, it turns out I might actually have had ADHD or whatever the fuck it's called all along. And I am now on a second medication that I enjoy and that is making my life better. Huh? Okay. Interesting. Big ups to Big Pharma. <laughs> yeah. Well, good. congratulations on getting legal speed, which I understand I works really well for some people. And a little curious myself, but I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll cross that bridge someday. To, to me, it's like the transition would have to. I'd have to get over the transition because, like, when I take Adderall, like, just for fun or, oh, I got to write mm -hmm. a paper or something like that. It wigs me out. Like, I get stuff done, but I'm all, like, I don't, you, afterwards, I have this horrible hangover from it. Totally. I've done that also, but is that not, like, it's a high dosage, usually, that you buy on the street, right? Like, uh, what's the... <laughs> Probably not the right dosage, but I've heard of people, like, with their doctors overdosing them and shit, so I get... Right, right, right. No, and that's the thing, and I think this is part of why the psychiatrist trusts me, is <laughs> because she was, like... Um, she asked me about like what milligrams to start or whatever, and I was like, I don't know what the fuck is common, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. And she said twenty might be good to start, and I was like, why don't we start less? <laughs> and she was like, okay, let's start at ten, because I'm not trying to feel high at work, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm trying to feel clear and able to complete a task without getting distracted or without bringing it to the point where it becomes a big giant stress on me, and that's the only time that I finish it, you know? Yeah. So I, there's flies in my house because I left the door open for the cat. Sorry. Um, so yeah, so I am not at all interested in getting um, addicted to it or using it badly. Like she said that, you know, that you obviously will get like a, you'll build a tolerance if you take it every day or you take more than, you know, your dosage is supposed to be. Um, so I'm definitely not trying to like take it on the weekend <laughs> when I'm trying to relax and do other things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or even if I have like a chill day at work where it's just like meetings or whatever. But my kind of work is like a lot of like pouring over data and spreadsheets and fucking research shit. And it sucks, man. Sometimes it's like I can't, I just have read the same sentence 17 times yeah. <laughs> and I just cannot do this again. Um, so I don't think like when I have another check-in, because also because it's a controlled substance um, for people who like have considered, you know, I figure if you haven't gone to a doctor, this is how it works, at least in New York. Um, they can't give you like an indeterminate long prescription. They have to give you like, I think the maximum is two months. And that way you're checking in every 60 days so that they can make sure that you're like not abusing it or going through it at a huge rate or selling it probably, I imagine. Um, so I technically have enough for two months, but I think it's going to last me longer because I don't take it every day. You just and use it as needed like that? Yeah, because it's not supposed to be like a daily. I mean, for me particularly, I don't know. I'm sure like if there's people out there who are taking 40 milligrams a day, I don't know if that's like your doctor's like you take it every day forever. If I took 40 milligrams, I'm going to be fucking like on coke, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> man, that's all so confusing. I think about that sometimes and I'm like, maybe that was it. Maybe that's what was going on with me. Maybe yeah. that is now. But I'm also like, well, maybe. But see, now I have such a like weird 
fucking work system that I pieced together myself based on how my brain works. Or I'm like, well, maybe yeah. now I don't need Adderall because I like. Because you already found a workaround. Yeah, like I found a workaround, which is raises this question of like, well, then is it a disorder or is it disorder does you know de- well, defined by whether or not you fit into like conventional stuff. And like, oh, that's a good way to ask it. I also think I didn't get like a diagnosis and stuff like that when I was a kid. Cause like I would do when I was, so I grew up in like, um, like a, like a, like, like a black and brown neighborhood, like a city neighborhood, like one of the movies where the fucking white teacher goes and teaches people to history with rapping and shit. And like, uh, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> and yeah. so I was on that like gifted and talented program when I was a kid and a lot of teachers I had would literally like, and this isn't in my head. Sometimes this this felt like a little bit like um, like if it was fucking with my ego. It was making me feel too confident. And it, the story makes me sound smart, but it's not. It, I'm not smart. It's what it is. What's happening is I would just be so ahead of the rest of the class that I was in that I would have teachers that were like, "You can go. You can go hang out in the library and like read because like what I'm going to be doing during this class is shit that." you just already know Same, but, yeah. but it was just because the rest of the class is living in poverty and so they have yeah. like you know and i mean not that i wasn't you know in this but probably not to the same degree but also yeah. like i just i don't know i learned to read young when i was a kid and it just sort of stuck with me and so for whatever reason like that kind of threw me off too though because i was like i bet that's why no one ever diagnosed me with ADD because i wasn't in a proper classroom of people at the same like level so as me you, you maybe even seemed as like an overperformer. yeah to the, whatever situation <laughs> that's really funny actually because you know um so i was born in america and then i did like kindergarten in america but then i left and yeah. then i came back in third grade and so when i came back in third grade i didn't really speak english and but i did like i had a a better education to be frank yeah. <laughs> uh in south america than i did than like students had here so i get and i joined third grade right and these dudes are like doing like i will never forget they're doing like multiplication and i already knew long division yeah okay? so i like do i ace all the tests and shit and then the teacher like she's cuban she asked me to stay one day after school to talk to me and she talks to me in Spanish and she's like, oh, you get all the good, you know, perfect grades and all the shit that's like math and science and whatever. Uh, what's up with that? So then I tell her, oh, like, I know, you know, long division and stuff. I don't know. I already learned this <laughs> in this other school. So she fucking Jake puts me in the gifted program. So in third grade, new to America, I was both in gifted and the ESOL yeah. at the same time. <laughs> okay. So I would go in the morning to Esau and do like dumb little fucking like ah for Apple, <laughs> you know, yeah, fucking yeah. shit. And then their ha- second half of the day would be like all with the gifted nerds. That's like English as a second language is what that is, right? Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Esau is e- English as it a was second called, language. It's called different shit from state to state. It was ESL. Oh, Texas. right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So uh, because it, it stood for, I don't know. Whatever. I don't know why there was an O in it, but <laughs> there's, there was an O in it. And uh, so it was really messed up because then I'd also be in gifted and I would just be like barely understanding what the fuck they were talking about. And I'd be like, this is so weird. <laughs> like, why am I here separated from the other kids? Not even based on language, like so fucked up. So here's what I would say to you. So, you know, you said like, okay, so if I found a workaround, doesn't that mean that maybe it's all bullshit because it's like about trying to get you to be like a normative kind of performing in your daily life and whatever. And I think there is something to that. And I think that I always fucking ascribe to that. 
Uh, because I was a person who found a workaround. You know what I mean? Like, I couldn't remember shit, so I take a lot of notes. <laughs> I make spreadsheets. I fucking uh, find ways to cope with the ways in which my brain doesn't work the way that I needed to, I guess. And to some people, that's been successful. I mean, I mean, like, depending on how you measure it, I've been successful at it. But then when I see how like some medication could actually help me slightly just to like clarify my thoughts and not feel overwhelmed completely by the task in front of me and give up and push it off until it becomes harder and worse, <laughs> you know, um, it makes me think like, damn, you know, like just because I figured out how to like get from A to B on like a janky fucked up horse and carriage doesn't mean that it wouldn't have been great if I could have ridden the bus <laughs> with everyone else. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel you. It's interesting. So, yeah, like, okay. Um, I don't know, because I do, you know, I'm very suspicious of psychology in general, um, of being a, a normative kind of science that seeks to find the mean of human behavior and then uh, defines everyone else as outside of that norm and therefore pathological. But... There are some things that are biological issues with our brains and with our how we function, you know what I mean? And if I think of it as like with de depression, you know, people who don't have depression don't really like get it. <laughs> you know, they think it's very like, oh, you're very sad <laughs> all the time, yeah. you know, uh, just like get out of it. My mom would tell me like my whole life, like take a cold shower <laughs> and I'd be like, how's that going to like fucking make meaning a thing in life yeah, <laughs> like what no. are you talking about i know what you mean i mean i really started to yeah. really believe in depression as not just like a relative thing but as the brain thing mm -hmm. after <laughs> i started talking with other friends and like people I was in relationships with and stuff about drugs because like i had an ex that loved to do like xanax and molly and stuff like that or I mean, not xanax but like molly and uh like ketamine and stuff. Well, not ketamine. Really, let's just stick to Molly. MDMA, yeah. the stuff that makes you go like up real Happy. high. Yeah. And she could just do it and then be like totally fine and go to work the next day. And I'd be like Weird. talking about how I was like, no, I'm like ruined. I've like, I'm depressed out of my mind for the next three days. And she's just like, yeah, yeah here's why. Like she explained it. Like she worked in medicine, so she could explain it. But she was just like, yeah, you don't have any dopamine like the next day. You don't have, you have low levels all the time, yeah. which is from depression. And so then it if gives you do you a like high that, when you get it, yeah, yeah. And then if you do, if you deplete them, then like they don't refill as fast as everyone else. That's why you can't yeah. party with us when we do this or whatever. And I was like, oh fuck, okay, that doesn't yeah. sound good. That doesn't sound like a place I want to be. I think so. You know, there's something to it, but like, but I I do think that that's the case actually with brains. Is that one of the problems we might be having as a soft science person <laughs> is that I observed that I think that maybe our problem with how we try to understand the human brain is a lot about trying to understand its similarities, like the consistent things you can say about every human brain, because obviously that's the path to like curing diseases or solving problems with most brains. But there is not enough or that I'm aware of maybe because again, not a brain scientist, <laughs> but uh, maybe it doesn't seem to be enough um, study of the brain coming from the point of view of like the v natural variations. Of yeah. The brain. Because um, I'll be honest with you. Um, and I try not to joke about it because I know it's like alcoholism is a very serious thing. <laughs> and I have said fucked up jokes before about it. Uh, Paul, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Anyway. Um, but, you know, I started drinking very late in life, as I mentioned on here. And so like, I can drink often and I can drink a lot and I don't get hung over, Jake. And it's funny because um, other people like 
who hang out with me or I spend time with them, they'll like want they'll drink as much as me because I'm drinking and drinking yeah. as much. And then they are fucking wrecked <laughs> the next day. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. But they've been drinking for fucking 12 years longer than me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. Or maybe your brain just responds differently to alcohol and you shouldn't try to power through to match up to somebody else's drinking level. Because um, I genuinely, like, 90% of the time, 95% of the time, I don't get hungover. I get headaches from wine. That's the only thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I do think there's something to like all our brains are different, especially with um, things like antidepressants and um, Adderall, things like that. I think that it's very important that you obviously work with uh, a person who knows about the drug, who knows the interactions it can have with other things you do in your life, who can be honest with you about the potential um, side effects and all that shit, and who will help you work up from a small dose. Hi, Marie to a bigger effective dose without it turning into a fucking thing you're addicted to and party off of. Yeah. Let me tell you a couple quick anecdotes about the school yeah. stuff we were talking about earlier. I did, um, well, no, nah, it doesn't matter anymore. I was just, you just reminded me of uh, fucking, so like when I was doing that stuff in, in school, I was, uh, when I was a kid, I would read like novels and then we had to do book reports. And other kids yeah. would do the book reports on like picture books from the library. And I remember one time I got mm. pissed off and I was like, why am I reading a novel and this other person's reading like this fucking stupid like 10 page thing? So I did a book report right, on a pause. dumb book. Huh? Before you even tell us, before you even tell us, I just love that we've both been who we are since we were in elementary school. Oh, yeah. Total trolling dicks. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. So, how did you troll your teacher? What did you do the thing on? I did it. Like, I picked a really stupid book. Like, yeah. uh, you and know. like a red. The big red dog or whatever. Yeah, like the something like that. People read. Yeah. And then I did <laughs> yeah. a book report on it, and then my teacher was like, come on dude <laughs> like she knew yeah. i was bullshitting <laughs> and yeah. I, I was like all right and then i read like you know fucking white fang or something the next week or whatever but like I was reading jack london when i was a kid i don't know it was weird and the other thing that happened yeah. is that um this is gonna sound like bragging about being precocious or whatever but this all happened <laughs> so i fucking got kicked out of school in 12th grade because they found weed in my car with a drug sniffing dog in the parking lot and like i had to go to this thing called alc which is a supermax school which is like basically half school half holy prison. shit I never told you this no but i knew kids that had to go to the prison school yeah high school. Yeah. yeah yeah it's so it's it's school to prison pipeline shit i mean yeah, it's yeah. like you literally they do just take some people straight from there when you turn 18 and they're like you couldn't get out because you had this like point yeah. system where like if you did anything wrong you need to like get to like ten thousand points or something to get out and if you did anything wrong a teacher could just be like negative a thousand points fuck you and then you'd be like mad especially because all these kids are fucking you know they're kids they're angry and stuff they'd be like fuck you and they go negative five thousand <laughs> points negative a hundred thousand points you're never gonna get the fuck out of here and like so fucked it was crazy yeah. I've, just man, power tripping yeah I have so many weird stories like i forgot to tell about that place but like um it, it, anyway, I was the only kid in there that had ever done calculus, so they didn't know what to do with me. So they just were like, "All right, <laughs> you just get your own room." So I just hung out in there for all day. <laughs> but um, God, that place was like literally—I think it used to be an insane asylum. Like the ha hallways were triangular instead of rectangular in like the way that the, their intersections were set up, so as to be confusing, so that people couldn't like escape and stuff. It was fucked up, man. 
This is why I'm, a, I'm a, such an anti-police state person, you know? It's because I saw that shit, like, yeah. head-on when I was a kid. It's just so annoying, because nowadays everyone's, like, A-cab and stuff, and, like... Yeah, and you're like, I've been it. I've been it. I've been A-cab since life. Well, also, since people think that people think that if you say stuff like that, then you're, like, hopping on this bandwagon. It's like, I've hated yeah. cops since fucking day one, yeah. man. <laughs> totally, dude. Totally. You know, it's funny. I, I didn't go to the prison school um, because, like I said, you know, I managed to be a troublemaker who hung out with the troublemakers, but then I showed up for the test and I got a good grade and the teachers liked me. <laughs> so then I'd be like, oh, you know, just have bad friends that influenced me so badly. Oh, my God. <laughs> but um, the I went to this middle school in Miami. There was uh, I went to two different middle schools, but the first one that I went to is called McMillan. And Jake, you know, in Florida, the schools are also built to be hurricane shelters. You know what I mean? Interesting. So when you take a building that was built to be a hurricane shelter and then add like a police state kind of public high school that has like security guards and and metal detectors and shit, you end up with the kind of school where like, okay, first of all, it's like a big giant square, right? So it's like a block with like four stories. There are no windows. So it just looks like a square fortress from the outside that has a door in the front and a door in the back. The door in the front is the main entrance. The door in the back is out to, like, the the PE shit, right? Yeah. There are staircases on each corner, and the hallway goes around, you know, as a big square in the, with a courtyard in the middle, right? The This school, when it was time for lunch, right, the bell would ring, and you would have to line up in this hallway directly outside of the cafeteria in front of the security guards. And then once everybody was lined up and quiet, and this is a school of like 3,000 people, okay? So it's like a full-on like jail yard, okay? Yeah. So you have to line up. So it's like people like fucking pushing to be at the front. (laughs) And then you line up and then they let you in one row at a time to go sit down. You have to immediately sit on tables. And then once everybody's seated, the security guards go around and with a bullhorn call table by table by number so that you go up and get your lunch. And then when you're done fucking eating, Jake, you have to sit there and wait until the bullhorn guy calls your table to get up and take the trash out, dump it and walk straight out of the cafeteria. I think we had that too. Or, yeah. yeah. I remember the so when you sit system. down, like that's where you're seated and you cannot move until they fucking tell you to move. And everything was like this. And everything was like you get punished and you get sent to Saturday detention and all the shit if you if you're late in the yeah. belt. Like it was it's no school that I went to in South America was like this. Like I don't know how to explain <laughs> to you yeah. that they were just not about making you obedient and fucking terrified <laughs> and like a quiet little mouse. They were like I learned like gardening and cooking and fucking long division <laughs> way before you guys. <laughs> and it wasn't this like fucking miniature version of fascism. Ah, that it's they're so just, like, funny. Preparing you for. It's so funny that we think we're free. And then our schools yeah, are just like, I mean, you pledge allegiance to the flag is always hilarious. I was the kid that we, never did we it. We do not do that. We do not do that. In, in Colombia, we, we, you don't have a pledge to anything. I was. They play the, the anthem during sporting events. That's it. I always did like a Colin Kaepernick during it. But I would hit my homeroom guy would get really mad at me and then make me like, well, at least stand, but you don't have to put your hand over your heart or whatever. And then my other thing also is I used to, I used to get mad that we had to pay for lunch. So I just stole it all the time. <laughs> like I would just put, <laughs> put as, grab as much shit off the line as I could yeah. put in my pockets. Cause like, fuck you, you forced me to be in here and then I have to pay for it. <laughs> and we're like, we're poor. Like, fuck you, you know? So, um, I don't know, man. School's funny. But can I, 
tell you about my the other thing that happened this week because it kind of overlaps. Yeah, that was my check-in. It was a mental health check-in once again. Um, well, tell me what, what was going on with you this week. Okay, so mine's a little mental healthy too, but it goes in another direction, which is so I had a pretty big week online, which is that uh, I've been planning my tour and all this stuff and had all this work to do, and I got really keyed up, and I think I might have something. Some therapist at one point put it as cyclothemia, which is like a low version of bipolar that like you don't have full on wig out and have like the episodes and stuff. But I I noticed I was doing it like every once in a while. I'm like, oh, I'm fucking doing it. What what I'll do is I'll be really, really, really like fucking productive and and talk a lot. And my brain's kind of going, but I'll like won't be eating and stuff because like, I don't know. It's like you're on Adderall or something like that. Yeah, or you're on a high. Yeah, you're manic a little bit. Yeah. So uh, I was already there. And then I was laying in bed the other day and I was, uh, was watching that video of Joe Rogan talking about vaccines and stuff. And then I just went on a Twitter thread, just idly like tweeting my thoughts <laughs> about what was happening. And then it went mega, mega, mega viral. Right. And mm-hmm. so, uh, I mean, I don't know, listener, you probably saw it if you know who we are or whatever. But like mm-hmm. it turned to this thing where like I started to go like, OK, I mean, this is funny and it's cool and I'm glad it's happening. But also. You know, for me, working with, like, Twitter and social media and stuff like that, I've been thinking about a lot, like, uh, handling mercury, like, when you used to make hats or whatever, where, like, it gets off on you and it gets in you, and if you don't take breaks enough, it'll start to make you sick. And so I was starting to get, yeah. like, tunnel vision from staring at the replies and stuff and from talking to people. But, yeah. I mean, I was also, like, the thing is... This is part of my job, so, like, I do have to kind of stare at it and figure out what's going on, because, like, big famous people followed me. Bill from Bill and Ted followed me after I was talking about, like, so the the first thing that happened is I I fucking made fun of Joe Rogan for doing anti-vaxxer shit. And then a bunch of liberals started, like, replying and going, yeah, and fuck Joe Rogan and his friend Bernie Sanders. And I was like... (laughs) You know, okay, hold on. Whoa, gonna, whoa, whoa, whoa. I want to make one thing perfectly clear here. <laughs> Fuck you for that. And that's when Bill was like, followed. And I was like, oh my God, Bill's a fucking comrade. That's cool, right? So, uh, <laughs> so that's cool. So you he probably follow- learned the real actor's name. Is it Zach something? No, I don't know. Uh, Winters? Winters? Win- something Winters. Zach I Winters? Know. I can't remember. All right. Well, anyway. Sorry, everybody. Don't the- yell at us. Anyway. Um, so Bill followed you. Dude, so dude, Katy Perry so, told dude, listen, Katy Perry okay. followed me. She has like eleven million <laughs> followers or something. She follows like two hundred people. It was crazy. And that is so funny. Yeah. Wait, so did you not mute it ever? I thought about it, but I, I, the thing is, like, sometimes I swear to God, when people like go like, "Hey, Jake, you use Twitter so much, it's driving you crazy." I'm like, I know, but you don't understand. Like when I look into it, it's like the Matrix, and I'm like. <laughs> I can fucking move it in certain directions and make stuff happen. And every once in a while, one of those things makes me a lot of money. And then I get to not work for a while. So, like... You sound like a gambling addict. I love gambling. <laughs> That's exactly what gambling addicts would say. So, I'm once nobody- in a while, I can see through the Matrix and I make a bunch of money. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, like, I mean, it is part of, like, I'm promoting stuff. And I got... Yeah. And I'm putting ideas out there. Also, I wanted to get... I want to make sure my fucking voice was heard on this thing and stuff. And so, like... You know, in the middle of all this, people DMing all this, fuck you, you're all these horrible things. But then also, like, I met somebody who talked to the doctor who, like, did, or the scientist who did the study yeah. that he was citing and stuff. And, like, I'm trying to get that guy on my podcast and stuff. So there's, yeah. to me, 
this falls in the realm of occupational hazard. But here's the thing. I mean, you're right. Like, it's like, it's too much, right? And so I've been talking um, in therapy a lot, and I've been reading a lot of stuff about this. And <laughs> I've also been watching Billions, which is really funny, because it's like about these... Oh, I love Billions. <laughs> billionaires yeah. who are just all like hard asses with each other and stuff. And yeah. one of them is a therapist. She's like a therapist to, to billionaires. So mm-hmm. she's like doing therapy on like... How to sharpen your mind up and up and you get in there and you fucking negotiate and all this stuff. Yeah. So I was thinking about that with, uh, with like, I don't know if I should talk about therapy in here necessarily, if this is breaching some kind of, but listen, the point being is that I, I really like, uh, my therapist because I purposely, I do not negotiate with people who their thing is like, well, just stop, just stop drinking mm. or just stop doing Twitter. Like I kind of come in the room yeah, and yeah. I go, here's what I do. I need you to fucking work with me on this and like stopping is not on the table. The, so yeah. what I've got, I've gotten to a really good place lately, which is, um, okay. Yeah. You believe in what you're doing and you like it and it's your career cool. and it's your job. Yeah. So we need to get you mentally healthy enough to where you can do this because the what's wrong is doing this and not taking care of yourself and letting all mm-hmm. the side effects get to you. So honestly, age 34, I'm becoming the person I've always hated who recommends meditation to people, but I started <laughs> doing it this week and I've been, I, I, I'm so into it. And now I understand why everyone goes around and goes, yeah. you should try yoga and all this stuff. It's fucking annoying, but like, it's true. And yeah. so I think what's going on in meditation is, uh, I've also been really fa- fixated on the idea of ego death lately. And I think it's kind of my thing of the week where I'm seeing it everywhere or whatever. You know, but essentially the idea is I think you center yourself and you try to turn everything off and your brain has this, this thing where it's constantly like, you can see thoughts like sprouting, like little, like, like vines off of the main thing or, or whatever, just sort of like forming. Like, I don't know what a good metaphor for this, but you, you try to turn it, like you, you really have to like actively sort of turn it off and not like follow any of them or whatever and it centers you in this really interesting way which i think is ego death but who, anybody that knows about this stuff's probably gonna be like yelling at their fucking car right now while they're listening to this i'm sure i'm getting the terminology wrong but ego death being a thing that like you can experience with psychedelics if you just if you use enough drugs yeah. but you can also do like manual ways to get there and i've been kind of really fixated on that lately like oh at any given time you can kind of give yourself the clarity that you need and that you get from like taking acid or mushrooms or something like that. And like, I, I've been doing it and it totally worked. It totally got me yeah. down when I was really sick from the internet stuff earlier in the week. I did it and then I just walked for a while and like really center myself. And in a, yeah. a day or two later, I was like, Oh, fucking back to normal. So like, this is a way to do this that allows me to continue doing things that I enjoy doing and like drinking and stuff like that. And like everything kind of working harmoniously. Cause like, I understand why people like flat out quit some of these things. I like the things I do that have hazardous side effects to them. So I'm all about health now so that you can do unhealthy things, I guess. Same. No, I totally agree. I totally agree. And when I ask you about like muting stuff, I am not saying, uh, you know, I don't police you and I don't think that anybody should be telling you what to tweet or not tweet or any of that. And I don't actually think that you're like crazy or anything like that (laughs) with the way that you are on Twitter. Um, I think, you know, and I'll, I will talk about my things later, but I think that, um, oftentimes this like, if you are doing the decompartmentalizing thing, which I'm not saying that you are, you haven't signed up to my <laughs> plan of how to live. But in some ways, part of why I was attracted to you in friendship is because I do think that you 
are a bit decompartmentalized in the way of the, at least in ways that a lot of your peers are compartmentalized. No, I mean, we're on the same kick. That's why we started talking about all that shit. Yeah. And so the problem that we are both having in different ways, I would say, is that most people, they don't want, they are not expecting, like, to have to deal with all of who a person is in certain areas. You know what I mean? Like, they're like, if I only know you at work, you should only be work, Jake. And if I only know you online, then you should only talk about comedy stuff because you're a comedian. That's it. And if I only know you as my boyfriend, then you should only behave this way all the time. And then when people like us are like, no, actually, like who I am online is pretty much the same as who I am to my romantic partner and who I am at work. And I do know how to behave and I do know how to modulate those things so that they are not problematic. And that's what I work on. But they are like, they are confronted with something that is confusing, I think, that they often um, respond to with fear and anger and defensiveness. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. When, like, speaking for myself, I didn't mean anything but to be the same person I would have been af- outside of <laughs> You know, like, I'm just being exactly who I am. But our society is, like, so built upon this, like, ceremony kind of shit right like the way that you have to like roll out the red carpet to be this certain way in front of a boss and this certain way in front of in-laws and this certain way in front of friends that you think are more important than you and like uh it's just very performative and um when we choose not to do the performance jake we have to recognize that we are causing conflict right like, it's like walking into the quinceañera or to the, like, first communion or whatever and refusing to play your part or, like, being part of the wedding party and, like, not showing up in the right outfit. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we are disrupting how things are supposed to go according to most people. And so I think that getting people uh, mad at us or making people uncomfortable or losing friendships, honestly, or burning bridges in business is going to be a natural consequence of that. All right. However, I don't think that we should be doing that to our own detriment, right? Like, I don't mean that in like business detriment. I honestly don't give a fuck. I've already made the decision. <laughs> They're like, I don't need this. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, whatever is important to you, right? And maybe, honestly, maybe like fucking perfect mental health is not important to you. <laughs> so you're like, fuck it. I'm willing to risk it and do this thing. I am saying, like, speak your peace fucking continue to be the person that you are um rock the boats and make people uncomfortable but like for example with your with your twitter tweet about rogan that went viral there was a point in which you replied to it or you tweeted something where you were like okay well i'm done talking about this i don't want to talk about this anymore (laughs) like uh, let's talk about other shit that i give a fuck about that i normally tweet about to me we all get to that point with a viral tweet okay yeah at that point you mute that shit Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I, that's when I would have muted it if I was going to mute it. But it also kind of died down. Um, but, like, yeah, no, eventually... Don't worry, I'm on the same page. And, I mean, I was... Yeah, like, yeah. I was because you, you give it time. You get the responses. You respond to some of them. You have fun with it. You get frustrated. But after a while, it, they can't, they start being the same responses. I know. And it's, you know, like, it's just added stress for no reason. Well, I was also joking around when I said that. Yeah. Like, I just thought it was funny because, like, yeah. there's just a deluge of shit coming at me. And then I was like, it'd be funny if I was just like, does anyone watch Lost? Like, I just say something else, you know, and yeah, start yeah. talking. Like, 
Uh, no, for sure. I didn't think that you seemed mad when you said it. I no, no, no. I am, no, I am I, of the you. I am of the you school where I am having fun with things and moving on, and then people are like, pretending you're not mad, and I'm like, yeah. You want me to be mad? <laughs> like, uh, I guess I could be mad in your imagination if that makes you feel better, but no, I. I mute stuff. I do that. It's yeah. exactly what okay, you're talking good. about. Okay, good. I don't know if I muted yeah. that, but it's kind of died down since then. But also, like, I don't know. I mean, that one was so big that, like, yeah. I was keeping an eye on it because there's potential in there. I mean, honestly, in my head, there was, like, three outcomes that were possible, yeah. which is one of them is uh, Rogan gets mad at me, which I honestly don't think he seems like an angry guy. So, like, I was no. like, this probably has to happen. Uh, outcome number two is... He literally never hears about this, which I think is very likely because, like, this is just internet bullshit and guys like yeah. that aren't involved in it. But the outcome number three is, was like, you know, at some point, I mean, he's mentioned me on his show before. Like, at some point, I was like, he could, he could be the type of guy who just sees this, cuts through everyone's bullshit and goes, Hey, do you want to come on the show and talk about it? Yeah. And, you know, I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to do here. I'm trying to say the thing I'm trying to say, but yeah. I am still like an entrepreneur because I'm, exist in fucking capitalism so yeah. i keep an eye out on things like that and i was like i don't want to miss this stuff usually comes with uh, like business stuff that i have to keep on top of just in case yeah. and then i can make decisions that from there whether it's like ethical or not or whatever so like yeah. there's a finesse but don't worry i mean i mute stuff all the time i have so many people listening to this muted right now uh <laughs> or i guess the people that are hate listening to it so the, the yeah. so but like let me, let me tell Sorry, you guys. Email us if you can't get to Jake through Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me tell you where I'm going with all this ego yeah, death stuff, yeah. though. Yeah, yeah, go on. Um, so, so I'm leaving for my tour this Friday, but right before that, the thing I'm doing right before that is Casual Sets, your show, you know? And Yeah, uh, I think this is coming out after oh, after that. Okay, right. So or I'm, or I'm, yeah, yeah, it's it coming is. out the week after. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. So Jake will have, he is planning on leaving on this tour. So, yeah. yeah. So mm -hmm. I'll be on tour when this comes out. But this is yeah. a story, the thing that happened the week before I left. Uh, you know, so I'm pretty good. I know I have a method for like how to write my own stand up and stuff. But like given COVID and everything, I, one element in this is that. I have to, you do have to get on stage some in order to like shake off the cobwebs and stuff and like just go through jokes, even if they're new, like you got to go through them a few times and stuff like that. Yeah. Kyle Kinney did this funny thing earlier this week where he was talking about that process uh, at the beginning of a show. He's holding a notepad and he's saying, this is how comedy usually works is you go Monday, you start with something by Friday. It's like, Hey, it's turned into a joke. And he's like, Monday was last March. Today <laughs> is just Tuesday. So this yeah. isn't going to make any sense. Pretty funny. Right. So. I was looking at this and I was like, I didn't really get like, you know, enough fucking spots booked in New York or I had to go send emails and stuff like that. And I, this thing occurred to me where I was just like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to do an open mic. Like I haven't done yeah. an open mic in years because comedians quit them because once yeah. you, once you leave, you spend years doing them. And then once you start getting booked on stuff, you drop it because they're not fun, and I have a theory on kind of why else, why the other reasons are that you drop them and then you you mm -hmm. sort of like uh, use my shows to work out, motherfuckers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, so the thing that I realized when I did when I did this open mic was like I walked in the place and I was like, "This is so funny." I'm older than everyone. It was like all these like NYU kids, and <laughs> like shit. actual first timers. I mean, it was a scene. Like it's weird. Yeah. New York has these. You'll just go somewhere and there's an entire scene you've never heard of before yeah. and stuff. And like at first, my head was like, "Oh, these are all college kids," and I think a lot of them were. Like, Can you they, tell us where you went? Uh, tiny cupboard. 
Which, oh, okay, okay, okay. Which like was, up on the roof or inside? Well, it was raining, so it was inside. Oh, okay, okay, okay. One of the shows was supposed to be on the roof. It got staggered. I was out way too late. The mics sucked yeah. because one of them went long, and then the other one couldn't start in time. So it was like classic open mic stuff. And Tiny Cupboard's like the the alt club in Brooklyn that popped up kind of over COVID because it's an art space and it has a roof and stuff like that. And so like, and and Brooklyn right now is tons of college kids are here because they're the only people that can afford to be here and it's like i guess nyu kids used to all live in fucking manhattan or used to seem like it because there were other people around so you didn't see them everywhere but every bar right now is just choked with these fucking kids so i and i'm getting a little bit older so i just when i see someone who's in their 20s they just look like a baby to me and i was just like man i'm (laughs) fucking out of i'm so old but then I started to realize that wasn't even true because like comics would go up and they would be start they'd be saying like you know I'm 29 or whatever and I'd be like ugh like okay <laughs> the problem with this is I don't feel weird because I'm old I feel weird because I'm weird which is a worse reason so I'm just like yeah. wigged out from not going outside and stuff and um but when I walked in I was like I'm a comic I'm famous isn't it funny like that meme of they don't know you know they don't know who I am yeah. or whatever yeah. And then, but I caught myself thinking about that, and I was like, don't come in here with that attitude. That is not the way to mm-hmm. approach an open mic. Fuck you. That's annoying, right? Yeah. So I was like, I'm going to play along. I'm going to be real cool. I'm going to laugh at people and stuff. I'm going to go up and yeah, do my man, set. Yeah, man, be a shark. Yeah. And so I went up, and I did my set, and it went well. So it went well. I mean, I, I just rapid fired a bunch of jokes that I wrote, and I got like a lot of laughs. And I think I think I did the thing where it's like, oh, this is better than the laugh. Yeah, you yeah. Know? But I still got nervous. And I was like, why am I nervous? This is like a tiny room full of nobody. But it immediately took me back to this feeling. And then so I stuck around. That was the first mic. And then there was another Mm -hmm. one. And the other one is in this big churchy area downstairs. They have like pews in it. So they call it the church. And it's huge. And it's everyone's hanging out until like 1130 and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it reminded me so much of this just like haunting fucking nostalgic feeling of like, oh, this thing I used to do every fucking night. And I went dead last. So I waited and I like dreaded it. And then when I went up, I like had to do all this weird stuff and go off script and shit. And it was really like fun and it kind of made me a little sad because it just reminded me of being like 25 and i'm not anymore but also i think it gave me ego death on a level because i started to think about it and i was like why don't comics do this anymore so answer number one is sometimes they do but they do it mike lawrence style where like mm-hmm. he used to brag that he was like not a, like he i'm not a big timer i do open mic still but i was in new york while he was doing that and i was doing open he was mics. big timing people wasn't he he would come into he didn't he wouldn't, <laughs> he wouldn't do open mics he did yeah. stand up at open mics like he did yeah. a show like he would come in everyone go oh my god it's mike lawrence and then he would like bump people he didn't maybe not bump <laughs> people but like he didn't have to wait all night and no one knew who he was he just went yeah. up he did a set everyone gathered in the room went, oh my god it's mike lawrence and then <laughs> he di- did some jokes and then he left that is not doing an open mic that is and it fu- here's why i think it's fundamentally not everyone knows who you are right and so i was in this interesting space for the entire time i was like i wonder if these people know who i am and if they do that's half the time is not a good thing so like oh i wonder you know and it turned out later yeah. on one guy did but he like follows me on twitter so like it wasn't like a chud or anything yeah um, but i was in this interesting space where i was like okay i get to do this i almost signed up with a fake name so that i could be anonymous because the mm-hmm. the point of it i think is to be like just part of this like, yeah this thing with like no audience where you're just throwing each other against each other and stuff and yeah. like um the fact that 
the fact that like I, the entire time the thing i couldn't stop thinking was i was like this is harder than a show this is like harder than this is like weight training or something like that and i yeah. pretty much committed to doing the second one and going up dead last because the main thing i'm trying to do is shake the cobwebs off of me performance wise so mm-hmm. i went up and i just pretty i started talking about it i was like you don't have to laugh. I know it's late. We all want to get out of here. I pretty much just need to put myself through the shock of being on stage because I have to do shows yeah. and I need to bomb harder than I've ever bombed right now so that the next show, I'm not scared of it, basically. Yeah. And it like kind of worked, but it reset my brain in this interesting way. And so I was thinking about why when you're a comic and you break out of those open mics, like something happens because you can even become like a like a known guy within the mics the scene of that mic but like you're funny because you're playing off the room and playing off other people in it and it's like this other thing it is not like oh that person like it's a person from tv i want to go watch them or whatever there's zero pretense like that can be like a pretense that people build so people can build an ego within an open mic which i think is a really interesting thing it's like a sense of self before you're in the world where selves live but mainly i think you're nobody and i think that when you break out and you start doing shows every show comes with this pretense even if the audience doesn't actually know who you are the fact that they put your name on the wall and shit and the host goes, you're going to love this person. They have all these credits and stuff and they and then they bring you in. You are in a position where you have a much more confident sense of self. And even like if you bomb, it's because that didn't work and stuff like that. And like, so then you start, you get, you, you never go back to the open mics because you get addicted to, to uh, perpetuating this identity, this little like avatar of who you are in the world. And I think that's where, where comics get really, really. Not just that, but getting applauded for just being you. Yeah. Not, not for anything you did, but because these people were already fans of yours, so they came to see you. I was thinking about this because I was like, well, on my tour is probably yeah. a lot of this is going to be people who like me. And they're yeah. the easiest people to play to. Exactly. But some which of Which is great. Yeah. Yeah, which is great because they love you. But it, I think it requires that the artist keep some self-awareness that your feedback is not fully or not it's not as unbiased as it would be in an open mic scenario. Well, the other thing is I don't want to go all the way down that rabbit hole and then only yeah. be playing to the people that like me because we've seen how that plays out. Well, I mean, yep. that just ends up becoming a fucking cult of personality at that point. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm misusing that word, but it's like a fucking, like a, more like a cult of like a cult, like Jim Jones. Yeah. Or some like shit. a regular cult. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, totally. It's, uh, can I interject here? Go ahead, two go points. Ahead. Uh, one is, um, it's okay if you bomb in my show. Don't worry about it. I don't give a fuck. I feel pretty <laughs> uh, good. Yeah, we'll I see. think you will do great. The <laughs> other one is, how do you feel about requests? Because, okay, so I know that, like, uh, I've never done this, okay? I am not a booker who tells comics, like, what material they could do. I don't ask them to do a certain bit. I, if I book you, it's because I trust you to do what you want to do, right? However, I love that railroad bit. Or the, what is it? The trains bit. Oh, yeah. (laughs) What do you call them? The The subway train. The subway train. Roller coaster. Yeah, Yeah, and the roller coaster. There we go. That's the one I couldn't think of. So, you know, I feel like if you're ever in a tough spot, you can just pull out that baby and it fucking rules. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's part of comedy is having little little weapons in your back pocket for situations like that. 
I've definitely done stuff like that. I'm probably not going to do that at this show because that's mm. on the album that I'm putting out. And it's oh, finally got okay, a release okay. date. It's coming out November 5th. Um, oh, okay, yay. Three years or some shit after I recorded it, but still, it's an album. But since it's, Love that bit. it's pre-COVID and it's on an album, I probably mm-hmm. won't ever do it again, but maybe, okay. maybe it will. I'm trying to write new stuff, and I think I have some stuff that you're going to like, so we'll see. That- that is a fair answer, and I'm looking forward to seeing the new stuff. It doesn't, you know, you can totally do whatever you want. I just love that bit. And anyway, I remember that I saw you at that backyard thing, and I, like, thought about being like, do the do the fucking brains bit. And then I was like, oh, wait, is that heckling? And then I just got caught up with thinking about whether I would be heckling you by yelling it out. Well, that's an interesting question, because, like... Yeah. So I have all this perspective now on this stuff I wrote which this week, which I'm actually, like, a little bit, like... Now I'm like, I don't know if I like it as much because it's all like jokey joke stuff. And like, I, I love jokey jokes. I know the little joke. I know, you guys hate shit. the little jokes, but I love the little jokes. <laughs> I like when you can just like with synesthesia, just see the vibe coming off of a mm-hmm. comic. Like, and I really, you know, what does that thing Bill Hex said? Like less jokes, more me or whatever. Like I, yeah. I think that makes <clears throat> a, a experience seeing a comic unique. Like when you, and this happens sometimes right. in like in open mic scenes where there's just like one guy that everyone or oh, woman right uh, <laughs> catch myself there or not all right uh, person yeah. person <laughs> yeah. but like one person who comes out and then like you, yeah. everyone's kind of they got like a lore about him and everyone's like oh yeah. my god yeah fucking what this person is like on the thing right now or they got it or whatever and it's something intangible that's more than just. I don't know. It's like the opposite of the Mitch Hedberg thing where like you could fucking yeah. retell a Mitch Hedberg joke forever. Like I yeah. like comics that are so funny, but like when you're trying to explain it to somebody the next day, you can't even pin down one of the things really. It's like there's just this fucking I know. vibe. I like, but see, I like both, right? And I will say to you, like uh Mitch Hedberg or man, a uh, Mark Norman. Mark is not listening to this. Nobody tell Mark I said anything about him. <laughs> uh but I I do think that comics who do jokes like that, the little jokes guys, yeah, what they are doing is the opposite of you more like longer storytelling, like get into the more me kind of things. They're literally doing the opposite. Even Jesselnik is doing the opposite, which is obscuring who they really are by building up this wall of little jokes. Yeah. They literally come from the tradition of you were the class clown who was uncomfortable making eye contact and being friends with people and having them see who you really are. So you deflected all of that by sharpening your ability to write a little joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and to me, that's an excellent skill. The little jokes are great. I can appreciate you wanting to create an art that is a... Um, uh, maybe like a defense mechanism, you know what I mean? And you should be allowed to do that in the same way that I also appreciate and love comics who are doing the more me thing, which means that it will necessarily be messier, right? And it'll be like wordier and it'll be, uh, more like less tight in general because it is strictly or specifically about figuring yourself out and how to present yourself, which means that it will naturally lean into variations and gray areas and uh, things that need to be edited back and things that need more information. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I consider both of those 
fucking awesome ways of doing comedy. Like, I don't understand why you guys have got to hate on each other. <laughs> like, <laughs> no. You're just doing different things. Yeah. Uh, to me, they seem like two, like, gears to work in. Yeah. And, like, I definitely try to do both of them. I think some comics represent an extreme one or the other, but most sure. of us are, like... Most of you are in the middle, yeah. There's sometimes I'm doing it this way and sometimes I'm doing it this way. And, like, I was totally. trying to get my head around that last night because I was, I was like, as soon as I got done with the second set, I was like, why did I go so high energy with that? But I immediately, when I saw like the room was pretty much empty, yeah. I was just like, the only thing that's going to work here is like engaging with people. So I started like yelling, but then I was like, wait a minute. You know, I used to do comedy sometimes and I would fucking stand still and be stoked and like really drink in the shit and like, like then use the tension and stuff. And I was like, just like, what, what? I, I haven't done stand-up really properly, like, over and over and over again, like, like I'm yeah. about to on tour. So, like, I, these things are coming back to me, but I'm like, what are these things, you know? What are these, like, different ways that you can... Uh, Murray, stop trying to eat my fucking Cheez-Its. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> Cheez-Its are good, Jake. He's like, fucking so trying good. to open the box with his hands. With uh, <laughs> <laughs> his hands. <laughs> his paws. <laughs> nah, you know, they're... Yeah. <laughs> his little hands. Okay, so... So, I don't know. I mean, I'm still kind of processing it because, like, it, it made me realize, like... This sense of self that you form as a comic, you it keeps going for as long as you keep doing comedy, and it's weird because like you could break it, like if you wanted to, you take a thing like COVID, and then you could just start over and like um be kind of a you could try to be a different type of comic, and you probably in that moment could, but you couldn't do it while the momentum was happening because the momentum is like, yeah, more you're this specific thing. Like, well, I always think about this uh, in comparison to um, fashion, right? Okay. So, like, every once in a while, I think, like, ah, you know, I like punk shit and I like punk music. I should be like one of those vest guys who has like the vest with the spikes on it and stuff, but like. I can't because you can't just show up one day after having <laughs> or like, like become a hat guy all of a sudden. Yeah. yeah or like yeah. a rockabilly or something like that. Like, okay. I agree you with you. You established your... yourself. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, I see where you're coming from, but I'm going to go ahead and disagree with you because I, I guess what I'm saying right now is Carlin is one of the greatest to ever do it. If not the greatest. Right. right. But Carlin specifically did that. Okay. This is what I'm saying. This is why the Carlin on purpose, as soon as some shit was working well and people love it when you're being all cutesy and making word jokes, fucking changed his path. And now he does storytelling. And then as soon as people are loving his storytelling, he changes that and he becomes extremely political and ranty. And he just purposefully, as soon as it was like you are taking the medicine down very easily, instead of giving you more of the medicine that you're willing to take down i'm gonna switch it up and see if you're still willing to fucking swallow my shit this is what and i'm saying this made is... them and they did he did that over and over and over again yeah. which is a peak artistic achievement right yeah but what i'm saying is that like this occurred to me last night while i was doing this is like oh my god this is a tool and i at first i used to think of open mics the way comedians think of them as like um this thing that like well it's not in uh it's not there's no quality but it's in high supply so like 
what I think most comedians will tell you is the stupid fucking Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours thing. Like, oh, mm. open mics are good because you can just do them over and over and over again and like rehearse something. But I think actually what I'm getting out of this shit right now is that because it fucking levels out your sense of self and you don't have the, the experience that you have when you're playing to an audience full of people who yeah. know who you are or even give a shit that's happening at all. It gives you like almost, you know, what's so funny about this is like, it's very much like doing acid or something and like resetting, yeah. setting yourself and like giving yeah. yourself a new place to work. But you know, what's really funny about this? It just occurred to me. Joe Rogan does DMT and like nothing happens. <laughs> <laughs> like there's never been. Like, I, he never has any revelations. <laughs> yeah. He, but there's, oh my God. It's not as though there's like so seven funny, different Joe Rogan <laughs> albums where he's got like different points of view and stuff. It's like, it's always the same shit. So like, maybe that is so funny he just comes out of it being like man i'm the smartest guy on earth yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think honestly what his his like journey has done to him is just make him super passive and so he just takes in everything and there's just mostly rich dickheads around him so he just takes in that sort of stuff and that's reactionary politics which are the things that he's latching onto are passive they're like you know people call themselves apolitical but it's like no you're saying things that are racist even if you don't understand politics even if you didn't intend them to yeah yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. So, so what I yeah. where I'm at is I'm like, okay, I wonder how many times in my career I can go back to this well and like use the open mic to have an acid trip and then like reorient myself and figure out new tools and stuff like that. Because eventually you do have the problem if you get too famous, where like Joe Rogan can't go do that. Like he can't go yeah. do an open mic and then have what I'm. He has he'll have the Mike Lawrence problem, which is that you yeah. go do an open mic. You tell Everybody yourself will clap just yeah. because wow, Joe Rogan is here. So I think yeah. I think if you're super famous, what you should do is put on yeah. like prosthetic makeup and stuff, and then sign up under like a fake name <laughs> and then like try. I'm gonna do and one. And go see what people really think. Like a like a what is that? The undercover boss. Yeah, <laughs> undercover boss, but for your bits or like. <laughs> John Mayer used to do that. He would stand, he would put on like a bear suit and then like yeah. play music in the, uh, in the parking lot of his own stadium shows. And people would be yeah. like, get the fuck away from me, bear. You know? And he'd be like, yeah. it was like funny or whatever. But like, uh, you know, that's kind of the experience you're getting out of that when you do like this thing where you obscure your identity. If, if your identity is part of the show. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm so keyed up on it now, but like, I almost, I almost want to go back and just do it again. But that's the problem. The problem is then those people will all start to know who I am just from the show. Well, Open you got to keep rotating the fucking mics. Yeah. Maybe that's it. And maybe put it on a cost. Okay. We're back. Um, so the other thing about this though is that just, it made me really like nostalgic. It's kind of wistful. Like you remember, like when you, you have you ever driven past like your old high school or something and just got like yeah. a weird vibe from it. Like I was watching people in this goddamn mic, and I was like, oh man, I remember what it's like for this to be like really exciting, probably. <laughs> and like they all had like these in jokes with each other, and they were like. You know, you could tell, like, there was probably drama and, like, hookups and stuff happening between people and shit. And it was something about that <laughs> made me never want to go back to that shit because it was it bummed me Because you're, out. like, a senior at a fucking totally, sophomore dance. Totally, <laughs> yeah. And I was just, yeah. but I was, like, I, I almost was a little jealous. So I could go full <laughs> midlife crisis. It's, yeah. Has anyone just started comedy over like that? It's just, like, I'm going to go back to level one and then, because this is where it's more fun. But that seems, like, deranged and, like, psychologically... 
I don't think so. I think that it goes back to what you were saying on the la- one of the episodes that we recorded recently, which actually some people have re- reacted to, which was that thing that you said about skateboarding, right? How yeah. like some people, they go to the skate park because they like skateboarding and they're just there to hang out with the weirdos that are there and do their tricks and maybe fall down and try their best and they have a great time and then they go home and they live their life, right? I think um, it should be... It is valid to be a person who's just like, I have some fucking ideas. I'm going to go to this open mic and I enjoy doing it and getting up on stage and talking about these damn ideas and seeing if I get a laugh from somebody with no goal beyond that. No, like, I want to get on TV. I want to make money off of this. I want to be famous. Just literally, I like doing this. So fucking twice a week I go and I do it. Yeah. It is valid. It's only actually comedians who insist that it isn't. Who like police each other to be like, oh, but what credits do you have? And are you a real comic? And how long have you been doing it? Right. But like if a person's been going to open mics for eight years, ten years, and enjoying their life, writing jokes occasionally, <laughs> and like <laughs> doing yeah. it, who are you to tell them you're, they're not a comedian? Well, the only thing I'll say about that is that if you're just doing open mics, though, you're only doing the one type of comedy. And I can right. see that people like do want to do the thing where you have like fans or you just are a really like, right, right. good middle level comic Which and you get so to do Butterboy or whatever. The guy that only goes to his local skate park and like doesn't tour skate parks, doesn't try to get sponsors, doesn't try to do anything else. He's also doing just one type of skating, going to the same skate park, doing the same fucking tricks all the time. But he enjoys that. I know. Why Why take that away from him? Well, because comedy, like, there's this thing where it, like, it's, like, recursive. Like, it folds back on itself or whatever. This is why mm-hmm. someone asked me last night after I, I was tweeting about this because, you know, I do. And uh, somebody mm-hmm. was like, would you have a good set? And I was like, actually, I don't want to answer that. Because as soon as I answer that, that becomes part of rebuilding a new ego. And I want to, like, sit here in this, like, egoless place because I could see, like, um... I was watching all these people and I could see like them trying to unlock the puzzle of like how to break to the next level and stuff like this. Yeah, and I was yeah, almost yeah. having this experience where I wanted to go, no, don't do you're it. Doing it you're, wrong. you're having, you sh- you're having yeah. more fun. Stay in here forever. But then I was starting to yeah. feel like the catcher in the rye or something like that. And it was, you know, never totally, grow totally. up, you know, and like, yeah. uh, Peter Pan and shit. Yeah. yeah. But, <laughs> but like, I, what's so fascinating to me though, is that like, when you break, when you do break out of that and you start getting booked and you, you start, or even, no, fuck that, microscopic level, you do comedy one time, you have a good set, right? You, it fucking changes everything that you wrote down in that notepad. So you come back, you do it again, you do it with a little bit more confidence. Suddenly that confidence is part of your performance. And then you do it a third time, a fourth time, you have more confidence. Then, uh, people hear about you and then they start to attach, like, of like stuff to your name and stuff like that. So that plus the confidence plus the material mm-hmm. starts to become part of the thing. And I think that there's like a, a break once you break out of the open mic thing into like regular shows where that's all it is, is like, uh, like you, you kind of have to keep momentum going in terms of like when comics talk about losing their skill at comedy, cause they haven't done it in a long time. I, they're just talking about confidence, I think. And like, you, 90% of the fucking thing is just not being afraid to stand on stage, which is a thing that other people are afraid of. And if you can do that mm-hmm. and then just talk comfortably, people are like, how is this person doing this? So I agree with you because you didn't make it a hundred percent because there are people who have the confidence to stand on stage and speak and they speak about things like they're still in 1997. Oh yeah. And they have like 
uh, they refuse to learn and grow and change with society. And they still think the things that were funny 20 years ago were are still funny now. So it is fucking possible for you to have the stage presence and be comfortable on stage and not have anything worth listening to say. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, it happens all the time. Yeah. But I think that like the people that are there, I mean, there's explanations for why someone is at phase two of comedy, the post open mic phase and is doing stuff like that. It's either they have an audience that sucks or they just fit into the system because like the other thing I was thinking about after this is you know, there were some really funny people on that mic, and I might never see him again, or every once in a while, you do see him down You're the gonna line. You're going to see a couple, yeah, yeah, You're yeah. like, oh, cool. But the thing is, like, there were some, pr- there were people that were pretty good at what they were doing, and there's no reason, really, that they're in an open mic, and that somebody I know who does comedy but isn't very good is, like, booked all the time. It's just that yeah. once... Once you get into the thing where you've built up your reputation and you take off your little rocket ship or whatever, the other thing is I was getting kind of cynical about this last night is I'm like, you know, 90% of, I keep using these extreme measures, but, or extreme percentages, but you know what I mean? Made up statistics. We love them here at White Night. <laughs> what I was going to say is 90%. Soft science, baby. <laughs> 90% of comedy is networking. Like it sucks. Mm-hmm. It's so. Yeah. Like once you're once you've broken out of the the thing of like oh, I'm gonna prove that I'm good enough enough to where somebody then hires me you know off my tape from an open mic or whatever the rest of your career can become this thing like this is how I had account for what you just said like oh there's people that are confident but they have nothing to yeah. say and they aren't even funny and all this stuff well the ones that aren't even funny are just networking like yeah. if you want you can just spin your wheels and just bounce around this machine and be absolutely put into slot number 4 on every fucking show ever or whatever I don't know which slot it is that you put that person in but you know what I'm saying yeah. uh and like what does that mean? You know, you might have even might not even know. I you, I probably deep down know that you're not doing a very good job, but you won't care because of the, the, that's not what you're, you're getting. You're out getting, of it. yeah, yeah, because you're getting um, positive reinforcement in other ways, such as bookings. Yeah. 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 It's weird. Um, I don't know. I think I would encourage you to keep doing them, man, because if anything, uh, keeps you grounded into what the whole thing actually is and the amount of people that are every day deciding that they want to do the thing you do. <laughs> I think comics don't do them because they have that experience and then they're like, fuck you, you don't know what funny is. I yeah. headline the road and mm-hmm. play in front of these big audiences. But like, it's like this great like oracle like that we should all be going back to all the times and just like fucking yeah. flaying ourselves on because it's not wrong. It's just you know, the most difficult room, but we should all be able to bomb and stuff so that you, when you bomb, you get ripped to shreds and then you could see all the pieces of you and then you get to yeah, put them back together in the, the, yeah. the, in the, in a, in a fucking finer way, you know? Yep. I, I don't know. So yeah, maybe I'll make a habit out of it. It was, it was pretty fun, you know? And like, I it used to be my thing was all, I'll just run a show and then I'll get stage time that way. And then I'll do like yeah. this, but the spot swap stuff. But I mean, it's not as though that stuff that stuff has more prestige for no reason like sometimes it gets you more clout but it is literally the same thing as open miking like (laughs) you know there's more steps yeah yeah i agree well maybe it's not the same thing because there's audiences i guess i don't know maybe i'll just do both Mm. i don't know not always do both do all of it do all of it well if all of it if it's even possible in the new world i mean things are moving back to covid and stuff I know. Ugh, don't curse us. I mean, we'll talk about when you get back from your tour, what 
the future is going to look like. I have some worries, but I feel like we already did a whole episode. We can talk about that later. Yeah. Um, I wanted to get to your <laughs> thing, but uh, oh. <laughs> we don't oh, have no. to. Oh, uh, no. We don't even have to go there. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it all happened on Twitter. Anybody who's concerned can see it. But what is funny about it, actually, I will say, is this, like, um, this continuous thing that we keep running into where people who are not very online get so offended about tweets <laughs> like they're so like what an attack and i guess for anybody who wasn't listening what happened to me today <laughs> or what i caused to happen i don't want to act like a victim <laughs> is that um uh maybe like days ago i tweeted i actually pretty regularly tweet about how my upstairs neighbors suck <laughs> and like i don't name them i just am like oh I think I've tweeted about how, like, um, I've never heard them fucking and I can hear everything else they do, so I think they never fuck. I've tweeted about, but, like, I don't mention them, you know what I mean? Like, it's just me tweeting about a very, very hack trope in New York City of you hate your upstairs neighbors. Yeah. Because for people who don't live in New York City, most people, like, literally, again, we'll use our favorite statistic, 90% of people (laughs) in New York do not live on the top floor. So they all have upstairs neighbors yeah you know it's a I mean? thing in movies where you hit the ceiling with a broom and stuff. with the broom yeah exactly you can hear them stomping around and in my case i actually spent the last 10 years being a top floor neighbor jake jake like i was the top floor for the last 10 years so when i moved to my current place where i am the bottom floor i actually i think i have tweeted about the fact that i just realized what an asshole i was for the last 10 years and all these people are listening to me stomp around <laughs> you know yeah. and nobody ever told me So I have sympathy, you know, I'm not mad about it. I understand this is how we all live. So I've made some jokes on Twitter about how my upstairs neighbors suck. And it's not just because they stomp around like normal upstairs neighbors do. It's because they're like, well, they're the whitest people I know in this neighborhood. (laughs) And they do things like leave notes for you where they like complain about stuff and the temperature and stuff like that yo i've never left a note for a neighbor i've never had a neighbor leave a note for me i have existed in a world of people who mind their own fucking business and move on with life (laughs) you know what i mean so they write notes they tell on the landlord they tell on other people to the landlord uh they yell stuff at me from their deck you know like just like random shit like it could be things like oh there's a package for you which i guess is well intentioned but i'm literally high in my backyard relaxing and all of a sudden somebody's yelling shit yeah why are you invading my space (laughs) you know like i don't like um and then and even then i only tweeted about them because they were like mildly annoying you know what i mean and then uh, about like 10 days ago, I walk outside to take out my garbage in my pajamas early in the morning. And I see that there's like a, a camera set up in my hallway, right? And for people who don't live in New York, I live in a brownstone, right? So it's a house that is four stories high and I live in the ground level. So the bottom level is like a, what used to be the servant's entrance back in the day, right? Like, it's literally not the front door. It's the servant's entrance to get down into the bottom level and into the basement, which is where the servants, quote, belong, right? So then there's, like, a staircase inside that goes up to the main hallway, but in the front of the house, there's a stoop that goes to the main door, right? So everybody who lives on the floors two through four goes up the stoop to go through to the main staircase, right? Yeah. 
ostensibly, there is no reason for anybody that lives on floors two to four to come to the ground level, except that our mailboxes are on the ground level. So you should be coming to check for your mail on the front of the ground level, right? Even then, there's no reason for you to be in my fucking hallway. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't you pick up your mail when you're coming home from the outside, pick it up outside, and then go back up the stoop? up the, the main thing does that make sense you know yeah what I'm no so they so the people who live in the up upper part Upstairs, of your place put a camera in your hallway in my hallway where i live and then the other apartment is another single woman so i wake up one day and there's a camera facing just two single women's apartments yeah and i'm like this doesn't look like the landlord wouldn't have put this here without telling me so i see where it's plugged <laughs> in and i unplug it Right. Yeah. And then because you can hear everything in the building and there's like a bike tied up, you know, so I was like, OK, I guess maybe somebody put it here to watch this bike. Like, I don't know, but you should still not have a fucking camera in my hallway. Like, I don't understand. what this is. Yeah. And the whole time I'm thinking that the bike belongs to Kara, my other neighbor, the, the other single woman in the front. Right. She's one uh, F one front. I'm one R the rear. I have a backyard. Right. Yeah. And then I unplug the, the fucking camera and I. Like, probably like 8.30 in the morning, I hear somebody come down the stairs through the door that they shouldn't even be using for any fucking reason, Jake. <laughs> and I open the door, and there's a guy there unlocking the bike. And I look at him, and I'm like, hey, did you put this camera here? And he says, yes. Right? This random dude that I fucking don't recognize. And he says, yes. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm the person that unplugged it. Right? And I unplugged it because I think it's inappropriate for somebody to have put a camera in front of two single women's apartments to just like record our comings and goings. Like, this is not okay. And so he says, okay, no problem. And he leaves and he takes the bike and the camera and him or somebody, they leave the door open to the front door. Right? And then the next thing I know, I get a text message from the woman that li lives upstairs. And she's like, and the reason that she has my number... <laughs> Is that one day she left me a note, right, complaining about the landlord, asking me a question with her phone number. So I replied to her question, being polite, because I'm not trying to make enemies out of my neighbors. I'm not trying to be her friends, but we're also not enemies, right? So now she has my number. So now she texts me and she's like, hey, you told my guy or whatever that I, he can't have this camera downstairs, but we put it there to monitor my bike so that nobody steals it. And to monitor the mail because we've had multiple packages stolen. So the camera was very expensive. I don't understand why you don't want to. And like a full paragraph, right? Just explaining to me why she had the right to put a camera in my hallway. And I just replied, you need to talk to the landlord about this. This is not a, a conversation for us to have. That's it. So she said, okay, no problem. So she goes to the landlord, tells on me for taking her camera down, whatever. The landlord calls me and he's like, hey. Did you go take down one, uh, no, sorry, two R's camera <laughs> from their front door? And I was like, no, they put a, a second camera. So they have a camera in front of their front door to yeah. monitor everything. And here's the thing. That's what, what I tweeted about, Jake, is like, I'm sorry if this is like racist to people, but like only white people think it's okay to just like police everyone. Yeah, in no, it's like next door app shit. <laughs> Yo, yeah. Who, what? does this okay and i'm i don't go upstairs i have no reason to go upstairs i go up once a week to see if my mail was left upstairs by mistake you know what i mean yeah i don't fuck with anything i have no reason to complain about your fucking camera upstairs this woman told the landlord that i was complaining and unplugging about her camera upstairs and then i explained to the landlord no actually she put a separate camera down here 
and tied her bike to the thing. And that's what I'm objecting to. There should not be a camera downstairs at all. I don't even give a fuck about the bike. And the landlord was like, oh, well, no, not only should she not have a camera there, she also is not supposed to store her bike in the hallway <laughs> and not in your hallway. Yeah, especially. You gotta, just, I live on the second floor. Or do I? Yeah. Maybe I should check that out. <laughs> yeah, I was paranoid exactly. about people knowing where I live. But no, nah, you got to take a bike up inside in New York. You're just yeah, running the risk That's of That's your responsibility. Also, yeah. also, here's the other thing. If you tie your bike up outside... Even if you have a camera on it, this just ends with you going to the police station and, and be just, like, I have a picture of who stole it. Yeah, and it just <laughs> yeah. gets racist from there and shit. And like, yeah, they never, they're exactly. not going to find your fucking bike. That's not a, they, Exactly. Cops dude. don't give a fuck about bikes. No, Jake, also, if it was about your mail, the fucking mailman doesn't leave your mail in my hallway. They leave it outside, you know, like it's like a gated entrance. Yeah. And there's mailboxes. It's outside. There is no reason for you to have a camera in here. So, all of this to say, this all happens, right? And then I just fucking made it, well, first I made one tweet where I did say, like, holy shit, this is so crazy that a neighbor would, like, set up surveillance in front of another person's fucking apartment and feel like they have the right to do it. Like, this kind of entitlement is only, like, white people shit, right? So I tweeted something like that, right? And then last night, I was a little bit tipsy, right? And (laughs) I was listening to some Colombian music, Getting drunk, having a great time. And some of this music features an accordion, Jake. <laughs> and <laughs> I drunkenly was like, man, maybe I should start trying to learn to play the accordion so I can play my native Vajinato's music, right? <laughs> so I half drunkenly tweet something where I was like, what do you guys think? Should I fucking try to learn the accordion? And as I was writing the tweet, I thought, oh, that would annoy my neighbors so much. And then my next thought was like, well, fuck them. They're kind of annoying, right? So I just made a tweet where I was just like, should I learn to play the accordion? It would annoy my neighbors whom I hate. That was it. Literally yeah. not naming a name, not saying anything about them. Um, hold on, let me tell Trey. Give me 10 minutes. Uh, and what happened was, so it turns out that my upstairs neighbor follows River Ramirez. Right. Right. And River replied to my tweet where they said something like, yeah, you know, like, I definitely approve, get the accordion or something. And I just replied being like, hell yeah, I'm in an eBay war right now trying to get it. All a lie. I'm just joking. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) I am not going to start playing the fucking accordion. It turns out that my upstairs neighbor follows River. So she replies to my tweet. So I guess calling me out (laughs) because I tweeted about her. Jake. It turned into like a seven hour thing where both her and her boyfriend were tweeting at me saying that I am fake and a liar because I've been polite to them in passing. And then I tweet about them and I am like exposing them to their my 7000 followers. And I'm like, you know, nobody trying to get would have famous? known anything like, about you if you didn't fucking a search out like. Respond to a tweet that wasn't directed at you by a person who you don't follow, who doesn't follow you, who didn't use your name. And B, then go through my entire profile and start searching everything that I ever said about a neighbor and assuming it was all about you and then replying to all of it with screen grabs of text messages between us. (laughs) Being like, oh, you're such a faker. Look at you being polite here. And then you're like tweeting about us. (laughs) And I'm like, what? You are insane. Are you... 
Okay, tell me, am I crazy? Am I crazy? All I did was make a joke about a very common trope. Yeah, no, I mean, I could see from their point of view how that probably hurt their feelings because, like, when you hear someone talking shit about you, it hurts. You have an ego, you know? Sorry, I keep bringing it back to you. But, like, yeah, sure. This all reminds me of my friend, uh, this guy, um, John Morton in Austin used to have this joke. I don't think he does comedy anymore, but, like, well, no one does comedy anymore, but, but, uh... (laughs) He had this joke about, like, people who say, like, uh, I don't like it when people talk shit about me behind my back. And his his joke was like, if, please talk shit about me behind my back. Like, yeah. I don't want to hear that. You know? I don't want to hear that shit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't fucking, and, like, I don't search my name on Twitter. I don't go on Reddit to see what people, I don't care. It sucks you because I bet. You say the thing you want to say. I bet this person somehow realized who you were and now they probably can't help themselves from looking and at they it. Because they're like, yeah. you know, oh my God, she's like talking about me. But the thing is, that's a bullshit response because like, yeah, no one knew who that was. And also, are you, a, a are you, are you, is there, are they a public figure? Like, are they like, you're ruining my no. reputation? No, you're just like, who, what, what's the outcome where someone's like, figures out who this person was somehow without and the help. You. And then it like, no, they yeah. literally accused me of dragging them. And I'm like, who dragged you? It's like, you literally are putting my hand on the back of your collar and like pretending that I'm striking you. <laughs> like you're, you came to me. You found my tweets. You're replying to them. You're fucking showing everybody who you are. Jake, okay, here's where I'm gonna be an asshole actually. Uh, they're psychotic. They're crazy. They're insane. They're insane. Okay. Uh, as I mentioned to you, there's like a door in, at the top of this staircase that goes to the main hallway, right? Yeah. So they live on the, that first main floor. So that door is constantly being left open by someone, let's say. But I will tell you that in the seven months that I have lived here, they are the only ones that come down here. Nobody else in the other seven units wastes any time coming down here because if they have to get their mail, they just get it on their way in and then walk back out to the stoop and go up their own own way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So somebody keeps leaving the fucking door open. So one day last week, I was like, you know what? I'm going to lock the door because... Everybody keeps leaving it open. Somebody keeps leaving it open. And then I can hear all the comings and goings. My my desk at work, for work, <laughs> at work, is in my house. You know what I mean? My desk in my living room is directly under the staircase. So I can hear all of the comings and goings, workers, delivery people, all this shit. So I go up and I close the door and I lock it. Because I was like, okay, if I lock it, maybe people will realize they should be keeping it closed. There is a sign outside of the door on the on the second floor in the main hallway that says this is not an exit okay i am not making it up you are not supposed to be coming through <laughs> so i locked the door do you know what they did jake they unscrewed the the lock off of the door the next day oh my god like they they <laughs> took the entire lock out of the door so that i wouldn't lock it after locking it once in seven months yeah and then they're like, you're insane for tweeting about your neighbors anonymously. Yeah. But they are fucking psychotic. <laughs> like, I think this you are the just... kind of people that put up cameras to, to surveil your neighbors who tell on landlords. And honestly, landlords are cop- cops. So you're Karens who call cops on people. Yeah, this Get is people that want to be in the suburbs. Like, you don't belong yeah. in New York. You don't belong here. You're <laughs> so mad about every fucking thing that happens. Get out of here. I literally, all I want is for you to not talk to me. Yeah. Yeah, it's cop so, shit. Yeah, so that was my week online where... Um, you know what this is like? This <laughs> is like when uh, you see one of those videos of the white 
lady or guy in the it's right after they called someone the n-word and then they didn't realize the cell phone was going to come out and then they are in shock and they're like and then they're like stop recording me like oh my god no i'm (laughs) being my liberty is being oppressed or whatever (laughs) and it's like i but the thing is i understand i almost empathize with them in that moment because that must be like the sinking feeling of like oh no millions of people are gonna see this (laughs) (laughs) but like you know, yeah. just stop. Just stop doing this shit. Just be stop. Fine. Just stop calling attention to this. I know. I know. So I muted the dude. They don't. Th- uh, but people like that. I mean, I mean, whiteness. You know, people that yeah. are like busybodies that install cameras and stuff. They literally don't know. They think this shit's normal. Like you. They think you it's normal. Yeah. Call dude, the cops and that you fucking totally snitch people on your landlord and mm-hmm. stuff and put up yeah. cameras. Just mind your own fucking business. And then what's crazy is that. What you're taking offense to is somebody thinking you're annoying yeah. for doing these things, which are more than annoying. They're dangerous. They're fucking elitist. It's shitty things that you're doing. And all I did was be like, they're, they're, these people are annoying. Should I annoy them back? And it was like, as a joke. Honestly, now I think I should get an accordion. <laughs> I was joking because I am absolutely not good at music. <laughs> but now I'm thinking... This is exactly what they deserve. <laughs> this kind of reminds honestly, me. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to tell you that they're like super libs. So like one of the first things that the woman replied to me, because the joke in the joke that I first tweeted, I said that I would want to learn to play the accordion so I could play my native music, which is called Vallenatos. So, what so the, she replies. I like, think that's great. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She replies being like, we would never get mad at you for playing your native music. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Just, dude, liberals just love doing cop shit while being like, but I'm not racist. While being like, but I'm not racist. <laughs> I'm policing the non-white people in my apartment building, but it's not because I'm white. Yeah, and it's not. <laughs> I mean, they just think racism is like this whole other thing than what it actually is. Yeah, you know? I know. I know. It's so funny. It's crazy. It's the, crazy. Can you imagine I was gonna putting tell you a camera is... anywhere to, to record anything? No. Like, <laughs> No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. To protect your property. What are you talking about? Who does that? Only white psychos. <laughs> <laughs> um, this reminds me of earlier in the year when I had uh, this thing where I was tweeting about my next door neighbor. And he never saw it, I don't think. But his roommate was freaking out because she thought he was going to see it. And... Yeah. And then it was this whole situation where I was I was doing what you're doing, which is like, yeah, oh, this is a New York joke. The fucking noise yeah, is coming through the my wall. Sucks. Yeah, <laughs> but Twitter's weird. The internet's weird. So there's a chance they'll see it. But um, he never saw which it. Is fine. And then I told him about it, <laughs> and then we ended up becoming friends. So some people yeah. are cool, you know. It can't happen where you just go like I've squashed the beef with a bunch of people. You know, you could just but go. That's what I mean. They hey, could have made it a thing like this is funny. You know. Yeah, you got a beef with they, your but next door neighbor. They were literally in my mentions, acting like victims, like acting like I was dragging them, trying to cancel them. Like I was, um, I think the woman said at some point that I have no integrity because <laughs> I am trying to malign her by claiming that we fought when we didn't actually fight. It was just a disagreement. That's just a joke. Where also I never mentioned your name. Where nobody was connecting to this to you in any way until you responded to this, being like, "Hey, this is about me." <laughs> yeah. So like, what are you talking about? You can't get dragged anonymously. If you volunteer for the fucking dragging, that's not me dragging you, bitch. That's you rubbing your face on the ground. Yeah. What do you do? 
<laughs> Man. What are you doing? So I personally crazy. do think that like, okay, the, the other funny thing is that she said something to me like, oh, well, enjoy your time while you're here or whatever. Because this is the other thing, the other feeling that I get is like, I think they have been the um, tenants that have been here the longest. So they are old timey gentrifiers, right? So it seems like they've been here at least five years, right? Uh-huh. And she tried to like dismiss me as though like I'll be gone soon, as all the other people who have moved out of this building <laughs> since yeah, she's been here. Insulting. Yeah, and I replied, I'm just like, um, bitch, I lived in my last apartment three blocks away from here for ten years. I didn't even have a backyard in that one. We're gonna live together for a long time. So you better just get used to it. I'm gonna do my tweets. You should probably not read them if they're gonna hurt your feelings. We live together now. <laughs> this is Let's get married, baby. We live together. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be at least a decade of this shit. But I guarantee you, they move out before me. I'm willing to, any listener who wants to lay money on it right now, I guarantee you that they move out before me. Either because they break up, break up, or they go full traditional, which means they have babies, then they can't raise those babies in Brooklyn. So now they have to move to the suburbs. Well, until they start installing baby shit in your fucking apartment. No, stuff. man. You don't know. No, this is a fucking full on uh, brownstone where. Um, the, the Brooklyn, I, bro- people that, that have babies, or, well, white people that have babies should leave Brooklyn. Yeah. But like. They should leave. This yeah. is why I hate like like suburban brooklyn like park slope yeah. and shit it's because you look at them and you go yeah it's time for you to go your your little visit to brooklyn is yeah. over but they won't i mean they'll fucking but they won't do they put their babies in strollers and then like jaywalk like cut you off with their white baby <laughs> that happens all I the know. fucking time and you're like i could have like hit that thing with my bike but you're just so confident that you're like yep i get to live here on top of you now yeah that, i don't know man well, I don't think that they're in the um, economic class to be able to do that, um, yeah. honestly. And they're not in the apartment to be able to do that because it's not, um, it's a brownstone where you don't have the whole floor to yourself. You have only half the floor. So every floor is two units. Oh, I see. So that means every person in this building has a room that has no windows because you're in the middle of the building. You yeah. Know what I mean? So for me, it's my living room has no windows. So. It's not practical. It's not possible for you to raise a children, a child. There's not one child having family in this building, right? Currently, so I don't see them being able to do it. Um, we'll see if we end up being old timey single neighbors because I'm not going anywhere. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna have to deal with it forever. And you know what's funny is like a week ago you were maybe possibly one day going to get invited to one of my fun backyard parties now well not looking good i think if they are listening to this and my <laughs> ob- objective third party like take on this is that stuff like this seems bad while it's happening but there's always the option that fun. you can yeah. fucking buy your neighbor a bottle of wine and go hey let's and be fucking, like wasn't that weird yeah let's, get, let's just fucking forget it happened and like be cool and it does happen it's just well i tried telling them like i'm still gonna fucking put your mail upstairs if it comes downstairs i'll still clean up the fucking garbage and like i tried being like dude i also hate the neighbors upstairs who don't break down their boxes and the ones who like smoke cigarettes out front and leave their butts everywhere I'm going to tweet about them, too. Would be fucking weird if they searched it out and were like, oh, my God, is this about me? Are you maligning my character for not breaking down the boxes? (laughs) 
It's fucking just neighbor shit. Why to are your you being 7, such a pussy? Thousand followers. That shit happens I to me know. all the time with like alt right people where they're like, yeah. you were inciting your 40,000 followers to do violence against. Like, I'm like, what I'm doing on Twitter is getting 40,000 yeah. people rallied up to go fight somebody. Exactly. <laughs> I literally am like, leave them alone. They're silly people. This is bad. <laughs> it's nonsense. All right. Well, fucking Well, age. anyway. It seems okay. Nobody worry about my neighbors. I'm sure we'll be fine. I was thinking I'll maybe like give them a fruit or a basket or some shit. A fruitcake? That's what white people like, right? I don't. That's. <laughs> I'm not sure about that one. I don't know who eats that. Um, I think it's white people. Even if they don't eat it, they appreciate it as a sentiment, <laughs> and and I think they understand it as a sentiment of like a peace offering, even though I don't like you. So I think a fruitcake is the way to go. I'm an anthropologist. I've been paying attention to American <laughs> I think a fruitcake is the way to go. If you disagree or you think that there is a more perfect Christmas gift that I can leave at the doorstep for my hateful neighbors, Josh and Amanda, <laughs> please let me know. Because otherwise, it's going to be a fucking fruitcake that just says, hey, man, all good. See you next year. <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's get that going on twitter is our fruitcakes a white people thing yeah i'm curious i always thought they were like a punchline like no one actually no likes them. it's a white people thing they really like it i will even say spaniards have a thing called paneton which is the same thing but uh-huh. it's only raisins like it doesn't have all the different Ugh, fruits it just has raisins. raisins it's fucking disgusting no it's <laughs> disgusting but like some latinos like it because they are like gusanos who are still like into spaniard shit you know yeah some latinos like wild fruit shit i don't really understand either but that's probably just the american and me not yeah yeah that's a white that's the the full (laughs) circle of whiteness coming back around yeah (laughs) yeah sometimes i'm just like look i'm at like a taco place i'm just looking at some more mexican dude than me and i'm just like you really just drinking mango juice what's that like (laughs) Mango juice is good, bitch. Like, Come on. I want a Coca-Cola with my... <laughs> <laughs> I need something with a Nestle brand on it. Thank I know. You. I know. It sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I know, man. Listen, I ain't trying to claim like I'm not. I'm white and No, we're, we're Americans. And, yeah. We're Americans. We're, we're fucking corrupted by the American dream and capitalism. Yeah. We're unpure. We're unpure Latinos. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I think this is the end. Um, Jake is going on tour, as he said. The all the no, dates no, no. on his this is going to come out. At, while oh, this I'm on is tour. while you're on tour. But that means I am only bringing it up because it means we might miss a show or two. But we'll try. You can hit me up while you're on the road if you have somewhere to record from. No, nah, I, I, we'll figure it out. I think I should be all right. But okay. worst case scenario, we'll miss a week. But then we'll do okay. extra when I get back, and then yeah, boom, exactly. Stop exactly. complaining. And sign yeah, up no, for no. our Patreon. We do a pretty good job. I was looking at the yeah, numbers. Yeah. We get it out. We get it out. We're we're good. We'll do it. Um. So send us more questions at whyyoumadpod at gmail dot com if you have questions and stuff you want us to talk about or watch. I did see some of your DMs, but I forgot them immediately. So just send them to the email where I can mark it on red and follow up. Um. I have nothing to plug because this is after the show. But follow Casual Sets NYC. I guess that's a plug. And that's it. Okay. Yeah. So actually, I mean, this will come out while I'm on tour. So if you happen to, this is the first time you're hearing about it. You live in the Southwest somewhere. I'll be somewhere in the middle of the Southwest, Albuquerque, Phoenix, LA, Vegas, somewhere around there when this comes out. And uh, so there are shows. And then also, uh, when I get back to New York in um, in a, in September. There's a live Pod Damn America at the Caveat Theater. It's on 9-11 Eve, which is 9-10 if you're keeping 9-10. track. Um, 
Yeah, so that'll be fun. Um, so come, come on, on out to that. All right, that's it. Bye. Bye.